Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. As I said the other day, we have started a series on We Are a Spiritual Family. And this week we're going to talk about how do we build. I think last time we talked about why do we build. Why do we build? It's because we're a spiritual family. God has called us together and he's called us together as a unit to build the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom of God. Everybody say it's all about the kingdom. It's not about me. It's all about the kingdom. Jesus said, seek ye first the what? The kingdom. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. When we think about kingdom, sometimes we get this idea of a monarch and all of his royal subjects, all those that are under him or her or whatever, the queen. And then we think about everything that's involved with that kingdom. And I think that that the queen, though she still exists in England, she doesn't really have any real authority. Everything's done parliamentarily, parliamentarily. And, and it's not so much a monarchy as it used to be. It's more of a democracy, which is the government of the people, for the people, by the people. But in the kingdom of God, we are under a theocracy. Everybody say theocracy. And when we think of theocracy, we think of theos, which is God. It's a government under God. And who is in charge of the government under God? We call it lordship. Everybody say lordship. lordship. The word kingdom or the word king is the, the word basileo, which is, is absolute authority, divine, absolute authority. When we think of God, we think of the one who has absolute authority. So when we think of kingdom, we think about submitting ourselves to the authority of God. There is no other king but Jesus. There is no other Lord but God himself. He's above all others. He is the king of and the Lord of lords. He is, he's ultimate. He's superior overall. So when we think about that, we think about lordship. We think about submitting ourselves to him. We think of a theocracy. We think of a government established under God. So how do we build? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 14 in the New International Version says this. says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit which lives in us. Now the Holy Spirit will always, always recognize and point to the Lordship of Jesus. As a matter of, a matter of fact, nobody said that you could say that Jesus is Lord except by what? By the Spirit. You can't say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit and really understand what that means except by the Holy Spirit. And when we get, when we get the revelation of that, it makes things so much easier in our, in our own lives because we realize if Jesus is going to be Lord in our lives, then we have to be willing to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things that we have need of will be added unto us. So that replaces the responsibility back into the hands of the king of kings and the Lord of lords because we give ourselves totally to him. Isn't that right? So 
I don't know how many of you, I, I've never had the, had, the, had the privilege of this, but I've, I've read about it and I've seen the pictures. A picture says a thousand words. But if you go to the Holy Land or you go to Greece or you go to Rome, some of these ancient cities, you will notice the ancient ruins. And then amongst the ancient ruins, what normally do you see standing? Although everything else has fallen, what normally still stands? Pillars. The pillars of the buildings are the things that are still standing. Because that's the strongest part of the structure. You know, today we have, we have uh, pillars in homes, but they're purely decorative. They really don't have any real purpose for helping the building to stand. But if you go back and you read about uh, Samson, Samson, when he was in the temple of the Philistines and he wanted to bring down the house, what did he ask to do? He asked the young man there to lead him to where? To the pillars, to put him between the pillars of the temple. And when he asked God for the strength, he pulled down the pillars of the temple and the whole thing collapsed because that's what it rested upon. So in order for us to have a strong structure in the family of God, we have to have pillars. We have to establish those and we have to guard those things. We call them values, the things that we value. Those pillars are the things that we value. So in guarding the deposit and, 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 and strengthening and supporting the ministry, we have to look at the core values of who we are, what we're called to do, what we're all about. And, 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 and define, help define those things which define us as a church family. Have you ever noticed when you walk into one of the larger banks, usually the first person that you see when you walk in to the larger banks, we don't, you don't normally see them around here, but if you walk into the larger banks in the larger cities, who's the first person that you see when you walk through the door? You see a security guard. He's standing there and he's not standing there with a pea shooter. Usually, nowadays, they're standing there with a submachine gun or something, an Uzi or something. Why is that? I mean, if there was nothing to guard, they wouldn't be necessary, right? But there is something to guard. There's something of value in that bank, so they're guarding it. That's what God's calling us to do because there's something of value in the kingdom of God. And God says to guard that deposit that's inside of you. Guard it. Guard those core values. Guard those things which, which make us a family, which make us a church family and a ministry that is, that is to be of, 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 of value in the kingdom of God. Now, understanding that there's something of value in the bank, and, and the other thing we have to understand that is that there are those who are committed to stealing what they're guarding. The enemy can steal and, and erode the values that we have, our core values, and he can bring the family down. He can destroy the structure that God is trying to establish. Those are the things that we've got to guard. And that's why Paul said to Timothy, guard, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit. So what are some of the values of, of Destiny City? What are our core values? Our core values describe how we build, whether we're building a life group, a worship team, a children's or youth group, or even planning a new church. These core values are the essential issues that we have as a church. So I'm going to give them to you. You might want to write these things down. Number one is lordship. Lordship. The number one core value is lordship. We value obedience to God. 
We value that. Because Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We believe that wholehearted submission to God's will and his word is the starting point of the Christian faith and the foundation of all spiritual growth. So then, just as you have received Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, Colossians 2, 6. We understand that lordship is the very beginning, it's the very foundation of the Christian walk. You can't say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And the reason why is because you don't know Jesus is Lord until you're born again. And the only way to be born again is to ask him to come in your life and make him your Lord. That's right. That's Lordship 101. Okay? We value Lordship. We value obedience. The second core value is evangelism. Now, every one of us are called to be an evangelist. Paul even told uh, Timothy, he said, do the work of an evangelist. Though he was an apostle, though he had that apostolic gift, he was still to do the work of an evangelist. Peter said, preach, preach the word. Paul said, preach the word, be instant in season out. You know, we're, we're called to be evangelists. Now, what does it mean to be an evangelist? Does that mean that we, we get a three-piece suit and slick our hair back and, 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 and get us a platform and a tent and we go out and we preach and, and we do all of these things? No, it's simply to tell the good news. The gospel, everybody say this, the gospel is good news. Amen. The gospel is good news. We always want to tell the bad news. You know, when I met Jesus, I was a drug addict, and we'll spend 45 minutes talking about being a drug addict and 30 seconds talking about Jesus. What we need to tell is what's happened since Jesus came into our life. Talk about the good stuff. I tell you what, since Jesus came into my life, there's been a change. I got two sisters sitting back here. They knew me before I knew Jesus, and I think they wouldn't want to trade. They'd probably rather keep what they got now than what they had then because it was a mess. And I don't want to glorify that, but I do want to glorify Jesus. He's done so many things in my life that are good to talk about. And, and, and he wants to do it for other people. And so when I can share those good things that Jesus has done in my life, that's good news. And it, make, it makes them hungry for what we have. Somebody said that evangelism is nothing more, nothing less than one beggar telling another where he got his bread. That's basically what it is. You know, there's something good that Jesus has and he wants you to have it. And so we share that. We share the good news. Evangelism. And why do we want to evangelize? It's because we value something. For God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What did he value? He valued the world. He loved the world. And he loves lost people. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we ask the question sometimes, why is God tarrying? Why is he waiting on coming back? And I'll tell you, it's because what it says in Second Peter chapter 3. He said, so, so that those that are lost, he, he's giving us opportunity to evangelize, bring more people to, to him so that they're not lost. He's not willing that any should repent, uh, uh, should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why he's tarrying and waiting. And understand this, that one day with the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is like one day with God. He's not on the same, same time schedule we're on. And, and so, you know, for us to try to figure out when he's going to come, the day, the hour, no man knows that. Nobody knows that. But we do know that he's coming. Be ready. For in the moment that you think not, the Son of Man comes. 
He's coming very soon. We don't know exactly when. We know he's coming soon because he said he would give us signs to look at. We see the signs. We know the signs of the times that Jesus is coming soon. So we got to be busy because he is coming soon. Don't let up. Don't slack off because we value lost people. That's why we value discipleship. It's not because we're commanded to be witnesses or, or that we have to evangelize. We should, we should evangelize not because we have to or we're commanded to, but because we want to. Who wants to see anybody die and go to hell? Anybody? That's what I thought. 100% of us in here, nobody wants to see anybody go to hell. But unless we reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's exactly what's going to happen. So we value lost people. We love them. That's why we want to tell them the good news. That's why we want to tell them about Jesus. That's why. Not because we want to get in their mess, but because we want to get them out of their mess. We want to tell them about Jesus. We value evangelism. Luke 19 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So that's what we ought to be about too. Should be about our father's business. Number three, number th- the third core value is discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. discipleship. Can I give you a word to write down? I, I, I love this word because it, it simply means learner. And it's the word mathetes. And it's spelled M-A-T-H. Everybody say M-A-T-H. What do you see there? Math. And on the end of that, put E-T-E-S. Mathetes. That's the Greek word for discipleship. Do you know what it means? It means learner. Everybody say learner. Are you a learner? Jesus said in, in, in uh, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all you who are weak and are heavy laden, and I will give, give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. And you shall find rest for your souls. So when we come and we learn about Jesus, we learn what he has given to us and what he's done in our life. We find that spiritual rest. We, we, we no longer are, are anxious about things because we've learned to rest, rest and trust in him. We take his yoke upon us and we stop trying to do things ourselves. So that's another, that's another message and I'll go there maybe some other week. But today we want to focus on the fact that God has called us to make disciples, not to make converts. Not to make good church members that don't know Jesus, but to make disciples, learners. Now, what are we out to learn? We're out to learn about Jesus. We're out to learn about the kingdom. We're out to learn about the things that God has for us. My people perish for lack of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? The knowledge of God. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And God is wanting to to help us, to help others know about him and about the kingdom, the kingdom. Jesus went about preaching the kingdom, the authority, the rule of God, because it's different than the system that we live under. That's why James says, love not the world nor the things in the world. You know, we're, we're called to love the things of the kingdom. We're in another dimension. We don't live in this dimension. We live above it where Christ is. That's another story in itself, too, and, and, and I hope that I can help you get there. But we, we're to make disciples. And we had gone down to, my son was a part of a, a, 
a ministry called Master's Commission down in Birmingham, Alabama. And we went down several times to, you know, for, I think he graduated three times, didn't he? Had three different, and, and y'all know what I'm talking about because they go through like certain phases and, you know, the, the beginning phase, the middle phase, the leadership phase. And so we were like there for three different graduation ceremonies. But one thing I was always impressed with is you were leaving the parking lot of the church. There were, there were signs on both sides. And it said that our first priority is his last command. Our first priority was his last commandment. Which the last commandment of Jesus that we see found in Matthew 28, 19 is, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And I shall, lo, I shall be with you always, even to the end of the age. That was his last commandment. So that should be our first priority, right? To make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them what? To observe and to obey all that I've commanded. Discipleship. Learners. So we learn about Jesus. We learn what he wants us to do. We learn what our place is in the body. We learn what God, what values that God places upon humanity. And we learn how to reach out. We learn these things. Do we all, we learn it overnight? No. No, we don't. I'm still learning. I've been doing this thing for almost 40 years and I'm still learning. And you know what I found after 40 years of learning? I got a lot more to learn. There's so much to learn. And, and, and I'm learning to love it. Because the more I learn, the more I know, the, the, the more valuable it is. I mean, how much, oh, I, I can't describe the joy of learning. I remember when we started in theological training and theological school, I was so excited because I was thinking, now I'm going to get a, a diploma or a degree or whatever. Well, I got lots of degrees. But what I learned in all of it was it's not about the degrees, it's about the knowledge. Because knowledge is power. Because people perish because of lack of knowledge. And the more you know about the things of God, that's why Jesus said, learn of me. And the more you learn about him, the, the, the more you know of his power, of his love, of his grace, of his goodness. And, and, and let's move on to the next one. Okay. The fourth thing that we value is leadership. Leadership. Everybody say leadership. 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 Well, when you're in a ship, you've got to have somebody that leads, right? <clears throat> How many of y'all would like to get on a cruise? Start out on a cruise. You've got two or 3,000 people on this big, huge cruise ship. And everybody gets on the cruise ship except the crew. There's no leader. There's nobody to drive the boat. Some kid comes up and says, hey, I'll drive it. What would you be doing? I'd be looking to get off of that boat. Because I would want to know that there was someone who had the knowledge and experience to drive that boat that I was entrusting my life to. Wouldn't you? So we value leadership. We value it. We value leadership development. As we learned last week through Dr. Keith Johnson, one thing that he said that nothing else, if there was nothing else, which I did get a lot of his, 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 his uh, teaching. But one of the things he said was that leaders are not born, they are made. 
Leaders are made. And he talked about, you know, some saying there are natural born leaders. Well, there might be an anointing on you as a leader and you never develop it and you will never become a leader. The thing I know about David in the Bible was that he was anointed to be the king of Israel. He was 14 years old, but he didn't become the king until he was 40. That's a long period of time. It's a long period of time. What did he do during those years between the time he was anointed by Samuel to be the king until he became the king? He was being trained for reigning. God trained him. I mean, it wasn't easy training either. I mean, he was put through the test. I mean, you think about it. He, he was almost pinned to the wall by the guy he was trying to serve, the one he loved the most, and that was King Saul. Saul didn't understand him. I mean, everything David did, he did for him. He'd go out and fight. He'd go out and do all the things that Saul asked him to do. Saul would send him out and deliberately try to get him killed. Told him to go out and, you know, to, to bring him back the, the foreskins of a hundred Philistines and he could marry his daughter. He goes out and get 200 just to prove the point. You know, I can do this. And Saul hated him. And, and he tried to pin him to the wall. And, and then, you know, David learned to forgive and he learned to, he learned to value the lordship that God had placed in, 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 this, in the structure and learned to walk in humility. And he learned to forgive. And he learned so many things that helped him when he became king. But it, God didn't just take him as a 14-year-old and place the, thro- the crown on his head, did he? He put him through the training process. The disciples that came after Jesus, Jesus said, come after me, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They had to be developed. In the three and a half years that Jesus walked with them, I mean, there were times, I'm sure, that Jesus thought, You know, maybe I should have went in another direction. No, I'm sure he knew right off the bat what he was getting into, what he was doing. And you would say, well, if Jesus knew everything, why did he pick Judas? Because Judas had a function too. But he made leaders. He made disciples. He made those who would make disciples. Leaders have to be made. In 2 Timothy, there's a verse of Scripture. And it says... And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. That's what we're trying to do. You see, my responsibility is to work myself out of a job. My responsibility is to raise up leaders, to train you, to equip you, to do the work of the ministry. And one thing I've learned since we've come into this building is, man, I have fallen down on the job as far as training, and I need to train more people to do the work of the ministry because I'm wearing out. I was so tired when I went home yesterday. I, 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 was just, I just sat down in my chair, and I told my wife, I said, I, I would have woke myself up snoring if I wasn't so tired. <laughs> but there are a lot of things to do. There's so much to be done. And we need more leaders. We need more people who will step up. And so I might be calling you and pulling you, recruiting you to step up as members of the family and helping to develop you as leaders in the body of Christ. We all got to start somewhere. You know how I got my start in leadership? Service, serving, serving. You will never lead until you're willing to serve. 
I remember my first assignment, and you've heard me talk about it, but my first assignment as a member of the body of Christ, I went to my pastor right after I got born again, and I thought, you know, I've got some musical abilities and stuff, and, and I'm pretty smart and all this kind of stuff. Maybe he'll let me teach a Sunday school class or something. <laughs> so I go to him. I said, Pastor, is there anything I can do? He said, yeah, there really is. He said, can you be here tomorrow at 8 o'clock? I said, yeah. He said, bring a pair of gloves. So I come the next morning. And when I'd been there about five minutes and I hear a truck backing up, I said, what am I doing? He said, well, there's a shovel out there against the wall. He said, there's going to be a load of gravel backing up here in a minute. So I want you to spread it out. And so they backed up like a huge tandem load of gravel in the parking lot. And so for the next eight hours, I scattered gravel for Jesus. So... I got that done. So I go in and I ask him, I said, well, is there anything else I can do? I thought, well, I passed that test. He said, sure is. He says, come back tomorrow because we've got some more coming for the lower parking lot. (laughs) So the next day we got the top parking lot and the lower parking lot. And I'm thinking, well, there can't be any more gravel coming because we've got all that taken care of. So I asked him again, I said, is there anything else I can do? He said, yeah, I need you tomorrow about 6 o'clock in the evening. I said, what are we going to do? He said, just come. I said, I'll show you. So the next day I show up, and he hands me a sledgehammer and a chisel. And we had 8 inches of concrete in the floor. And we had about, about 20 or 5 or 30 feet where there was a, a, a water line that came through, and we had to tap into that water line, and we're running a water line into another room to make a nursery bathroom for the children. My responsibility was to bust the concrete to get the water line through. And I'm thinking, surely, Lord, there's more to serving you than spreading gravel and busting up concrete. But all I can think of is, if you're going to be great in the kingdom of God, you learn to be, you learn to be a servant. You learn to serve. And you serve your, your way into leadership. But, but that's another story in itself. But, but we want to qualify you to qualify others. We want to make leaders out of you. Amen? Why? Because the family is the foundation and the validation for all ministry. We refuse to sacrifice our relationships. We're called to be to raise up spiritual leaders, to prioritize leaders in training, and, and deliberately create opportunities for potential leaders to develop their gifts. The number five thing is that we refuse to sacrifice in the thing that we value. You know, one of the things that we value most is family. When we walked into this building the first time, and we stepped through the door, and there was a huge batting cage over here in the corner with netting and all that stuff. There were these snapped together tiles all over the floor. The walls above us had holes all in them, and, and they were hanging down. The ceilings had stuff all, you know, holes in them. We pulled out about two bushels of, be- of baseballs and softballs out of the ceiling, or, or Eddie did, Eddie DeHart. But when, we, when you looked around and we saw all this stuff, you know, I noticed that stuff, but what I first noticed when I walked through the door was that. And I thought, family ministry, yes! That was the first thing that came to my mind is family ministry. I said, it just screams family because you look around and it's an atmosphere that is welcoming to families. I love it when kids bring their parents to church. 
They won't let them sleep in. No, you got to come because they got to play on the playground. I love it. You see, God knows the bait that it takes, doesn't he? And, and I saw that and I thought, you know, family, family ministry. It's what God is all about. He's all about family. And, and, and we value long-term relationships. And, and some of you folks I have known for years. I look around and I, I, I can see some faces that I've known some of you since you were babies. Matter of fact, I dedicated some of you. I dedicated your parents. I see some of the the parents that have children, that have children. Crystal was in my first youth group. How long ago was that? We won't talk about it, will we? It was a while ago. I have others that were in my very first youth group and and, and, and to, to, to know that we're still linked together is such a blessing. We're in the long-term relationships. We value those things because the family is the foundation and the validation for all ministries. We refuse to sacrifice our marriages and our children on the altars of temporal success. Because we believe that God has, has called us to be a spiritual family, we reject the idea of disposable relationships. And we choose to walk in lifelong covenant relationships in love and respect and unity. You know, you probably came in today and you thought, well, today's the day that we get to hear 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Because it's Valentine's Day. So we're going to get the, the, the patented love sermon. We're going to learn about agape love and phileo love and eros and all of these kind of love. But you're surprised that we're talking about family. Because family is only held together by love. It's the thing that holds us together. It's the fiber that holds us together. As a matter of fact, faith works by love. Nothing works without love. We've got to have love for one another. And, and, and we refuse to give up those things that, that hold us together. That We value those things. We value those relationships. We've been talking about relationships. You know, I am in a relationship. You look on Facebook and you see one, you'll see a person, I'm in a relationship. And they'll name the person they're in a relationship with. And then a week later, they're in another relationship. I'll name that person. But, you know, we're in long-term relationships. We're not in the Facebook relationships. We're in the biblical relationships where we learn to love one another in spite of our warts, in spite of our differences. You know, we, we all are different. I mean, as, as we said earlier, I, I thank God. I love you, Brian, but I wouldn't want to be you. Would you want to be me? Well, you would. God bless you, brother. Just think, if you were me, you would be twice as old as you are. You still want to be me? Nah. That's what I thought. The verse of Scripture in Psalm 127 says this in verse 1. Unless the Lord build the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand in guard in vain. And then he goes right in and says, sons are a heritage of the Lord and children are a reward from him. 
How do those connect together? I believe that God wants us to guard the family unit. He wants us to stand guard over and understand unless the Lord builds the family, we're just working in vain to try to build anything. To try to build a family relationship and a family structure without God is like trying to build a building with no pillars and no foundation. It's the very foundation on which we stand. And God is building a family. We are a spiritual family. And we've got to have these pillars, these things that we value, that we hold on to, that are dear to us, which are our core values. It causes us to stand. You know, at Christmas time, we had a giant snowman over here that went into the wee village. The kids loved it. But when you let the air out of him, he wasn't much so much to look at. But the only thing that held him up was air. You just blow him up, let the air out of him, he'd go back to what he was. But he had no core, nothing to hold him up except air. And I don't want our family to be like that. I want our family to be strong. That we all understand the things that we value, the things that we hold on to, and the things that make us strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We, we've got to learn these things. Now, it's time for us to work on these pillars, and that's what we intend to do. So what are the pillars? We've got them for you. Lordship, evangelism, discipleship, leadership, and family. Those are the core values of, of, of what make us a church family. Next week, we're going to look at the pattern. We're going to ask the question, what is the church? I hope I can help you with that. But we're going to continue in this series until we get done with it. So how long is it going to be? I don't know until we get finished. But I hope this helps you understand a little bit more about who we are as a spiritual family, the things that make us who we are, the things that we value. Each one of your families, you have something in, in your family that holds you together, things that you value, but at the core of everything, foundation of it all is what? Love that knits you together. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.